I'm Nat Finley. And I'm Adele Herman. You are listening to And We Go On, a podcast produced by She Unites. We are a nonprofit located in Dubuque, Iowa, with the mission of uniting women from across the Midwest to build a stronger community through engagement, genuine conversation, companionship, and supporting causes that matter. Our vision for the show is to continue the conversation had at our monthly educational events for women by women. And now we go on. Hello, friends. Uh, welcome back to And We Go On. Oh. Uh, today is a very special day. We have uh, one of our favorite recess attendees, educators, um, women who make it happen, Taylor Schaefers, with us today. Um, <sighs> Taylor works for Dubuque County Conservation, and we got in touch with Taylor early on when we were first starting our recess programming where we take women out in the community and we just, we do recreating, we do activities. So, um, one of the first things we did with Taylor was a snowshoeing event. I guess it would have been January of 22 mm-hmm. would have been when we did that. And Taylor's just kind of come alongside us, uh, for most of our recess events since then. And, uh, at our last snowshoeing event, um, which was prime weather, um, we were just mm-hmm. kind of talking about women in conservation, women in the outdoors and how it's not necessarily the norm, how it's very rare. And we're like, we need to expand upon this. Mm-hmm. Um, but without further ado, we're going to let Taylor introduce herself. Give us, give us the details on her life. Awesome. Taylor, welcome. Thank you. Thank you guys. Um, great to be here. I think she unites. I remember hearing about you guys for the first time in like fall of 2021 and just thinking like, this is a great idea. I'm not originally from Dubuque, so it was cool to see something come along. Um, I'm originally from up in Garnavilla, which is about 600 people, just an hour north of here. So very small compared to Dubuque County. I grew up on a dairy farm, like 500 acres. I was basically a free range kid. Grew up with two brothers, three sisters, like knew the whole farm life kind of deal. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. Um, and then kind of like my whole growing up, I was very outdoorsy, like did the hunting, the trapping, the fishing, the hikes, like the works. Like I was the tomboy of my class, which is very stereotypical for someone in conservation, but that's what it was <laughs> for me. Uh, but after graduating high school, I wanted to continue running for track and field. And I also was interested in the outdoors and biology. So I decided to go to Loris College here in Dubuque. And that's how I came here in the first place. I did like the jumps and hurdles there on the track team and then also studied biology and secondary education. So after graduating, I became a seventh grade science teacher here in Dubuque Mm -hmm. and my first year ended in COVID. So I didn't even get to like... (laughs) finished my first year. Yeah. Uh, and then my second year, the other science teacher is actually taken away from the school to do online only. So I had twice as many students. So I had about 150 students and this was during hybrid. I only saw them every other day. Mm. I did not love teaching anymore. I was just like burnt out from COVID. Yeah. So after that, um, I decided that I love the outdoors. I needed more of the outdoors in my life. And before that, during some college internships, 
I had been able to do some more like conservation related things, outdoor work. So one summer I was able to internship with the Iowa Natural Heritage Foundation, which is a private organization based out of Des Moines, but they had a work, work crew up in Decorah and I got to do chainsawing of cedars and remove invasive species for 40 hours a week all summer long. Oh my word. That's so fun. Yeah. It was awesome. I also, got- Decorah is beautiful. Yes, yes it, it is. is. Yeah. Like living up in Decorah for a summer made me realize how cool the driftless area was in yeah. general. Um, but I got to travel all across Iowa, got to go to conferences, got to meet with natural resource techs, naturalists, like anyone and everyone in the field, which was cool. And I didn't know it at that time if it was like for me yet, but I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And then the following summer, right before I started teaching, I actually got an internship here at Dubuque County Conservation for the summer as a naturalist. And I got to plan like summer camps, do kayaking. And I was like, this is my fallback plan. Like, this is what I want to do if teaching falls through. So that was kind of, it's like the best of both worlds. Yeah. You're like, I get to be with kids, but I also get to be outside. It is. It's like the dream professional camp counselor. Exactly. Uh, that's what, that's kind of always been my fallback With too. With a weird uniform. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I mean, you know. Like, I no, I like my uniform. It's yeah. great. Sometimes I can wear jeans to work. Sometimes it's like camo pants. Other that's times true. it's shorts. So and whatever like, works. Right. And your entire wardrobe gets to be from REI and it's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I get to wear like actual work boots and, you know, use them. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. I love it. None of none of this like biz cash thing anymore. Yeah. I can't get on board with it. Yeah, that's very true. So you did not go back to teaching then? No. Oh. So now I do informal teaching. Yeah. So like at Dubuque County Conservation, I'm a naturalist. So I do environmental education. Um, and we have we've seen, you know, kids like two weeks old at a homeschool program up to a hundred years old in a care center. So we get to oh. see anyone and everyone, which is awesome. I love that. So with your, like the educational programming you do, what kinds of things are you teaching? We teach anything and everything about the outdoors. Okay. So like right now we are getting into all of the first grade classrooms in Dubuque community schools with astronomy. So we have like oh, a portable fine. planetarium. So we do astronomy. We do a whole grade level on geology, like watersheds, wetlands, habitats. Um, So a lot of the school programs are like tied to standards, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, But we also get to have a lot of fun of like, we're going to forage for mushrooms with a public program, or we're going to go kayaking and let people experience just recreating in the first place and where they can do that and offer these free programs for people who maybe don't have a kayak or don't have snowshoes for themselves and don't know if they want to get into it quite yet or not. Oh, totally. Cause those, you know, those prices do hinder those experiences, you know? Yeah. Like a new kayak, $600 and our yeah. friends group can buy multiples so that we can share them with everyone in Dubuque County. It's mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. yeah. And we've utilized both of those things, mm-hmm. which has been awesome. Yeah. It's like one of the hidden gems that like people who live around here or even visiting, they don't know that the county conservation is like such a wealth of resources, mm-hmm. even for like just equipment or information, mm-hmm. like so underutilized. Yeah, for sure. I know we need to get you guys more on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who do we need to talk to to step up the game? Our outreach coordinator. <laughs> okay. But she just got into that position. She was a naturalist beforehand. Oh, so okay. We'll cut her some slack. Yeah. 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 yeah you guys do have really awesome resources. Yeah. So with like this, 
the students and the young adults and the older adults, like, do you have a favorite that you like to teach or third grade <laughs> for sure? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Third Why grade. the third graders? So third grade, um, you, so like 12 of the elementaries that we work with for third grade specifically are all about prairies. So we learn about pollinators. We go to mm. the proving grounds. We actually take a survey of plants and animals in the prairie and just like seeing their faces of like, I get to go off the trail and like run around. They're just super excited. And nobody's going to yell at me. Yeah. And also third graders, they like get sarcasm yes. and they can take care of themselves, but they're not too cool for school yet. Oh yeah. You can be really silly with them yet. Yeah. Oh, I love third grade. Second grade is pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Nice. I'm going to be looking forward to those grades. Yeah. They're fun. Yeah. I, I feel like once you actually get them in like full day school, like kids become exponentially more fun mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Something to look forward to. So tell us a little bit about, uh, before we were chatting, before we hopped on here and started recording, you were telling us um, about Iowa being the only state with county programming, counting resources. Like, tell us a little bit more about that, which I know I'm probably saying that not correctly. No, you're all good. So what's interesting with that, before I get there, Iowa is the last state of all 50 states to have, like, public land available for people to use. Interesting. Which is crazy when you think about how Iowa has a county conservation in all 99 counties and no other state in the entire United States has that. That's wild. It's phenomenal. Which is interesting to think about. also sad. Yeah. Sad, but great for us. Yes. It's great for us. Exactly. But you also think about like Minnesota and Alaska, like there are huge states out there that have a lot of federal land, have Mm -hmm. a lot of state land. And Iowa has just a lot of county land in comparison to yeah. like federal and state land, for example. So like, why is that? Is that a silly question? So Iowa used to be tall grass prairie and then got completely like plowed over, not completely, but for the most part, plowed over into soybeans, cornfields, just ag fields in general. And you can't just, you know, buy millions of acres of land for, you know, a federal park or thousands of acres for a state park. It's just not doable. So county conservations come in and they buy, you know, or they acquire by however they get the land. They get a hundred acres here, a hundred acres there, 300 acres there. So it's little patches here and there. Mm. And that's why county conservation is, you know, a bigger thing in Iowa compared to other states. Okay. Right. Cause like, obviously like land here, it's, it's like high dollar cause it's very valuable in terms of farming and ag, but like you go out West and here's this huge chunk of land. Well, I can't grow anything on it. Mm-hmm, like it's a mountain. Like let, let me give it to the feds. Yeah. <laughs> this episode of, and we go on is sponsored by flatted fifth blues and barbecue. Come experience where the blues and barbecue of Beale Street meets the jazz and Cajun food of Bourbon Street at this from scratch kitchen in Bellevue, Iowa. Known for their incredible house smoked meats and Southern specialties, Flatted Fifth has been featured by Southern Living Magazine, Food and Wine Magazine, and the Iowa Tourism Awards. Grab a bite at Flatted Fifth at their flagship Bellevue, Iowa location in the historic Potter's Mill or at their Dubuque kitchen inside Dimensional Brewing Company. For more information, head to pottersmill.net. So uh, you were telling us about a little bit like your sister and her position more on like a national level. Mm-hmm. 
Can you kind of explain the difference between your position and like her position? So my sister works for the U S forest service and she works for like the federal. So like the United States. So there's a lot of federal. So like the U S fish and wildlife service, you see their stuff on a lot of stuff uh, along the Mississippi river. So that is federal ground owned by the United States government. And then there is state ground. So like the mines of Spain, is state like Iowa DNR. Okay. So like Mines of Spain, Ledges State Park, Pikes Peak State Park, any state preserver state park is owned by the Iowa DNR. And then on the county level, it's county conservation. So Dubuque County Conservation, Clayton County Conservation. Okay. And then there are some cities here and there that have conservation, not necessarily a department, but positions within the city that are focused on conservation. Mm. Okay. That, I'm glad that you broke that down because I didn't know that there it was broken down to that. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people mix up like the DNR in county conservation. Yes. Uh, so county conservation is a lot more localized. Like you work in your county and maybe you partner with some other counties around you and state like the DNR work in their specific parks and across the entire state for the most part. Okay. Do you travel at all or do you stay here? I stay in Dubuque County unless I have like trainings. Sometimes we partner with like Clinton, Jackson, Jones, Clayton County for some things, but for the most part in Dubuque County. Oh, nice. And I remember when we were snowshoeing, you were talking about a conference that you were going to, and we can kind of segue into like why women like aren't in the outdoors as much, I would mm -hmm. say in your position, right? Mm -hmm. There's a limited number of women, right? And kind of Adele, what, I mean, what kind of triggered that question? Did you, cause you answered that, you asked that question, didn't you? Yeah. Well, we were talking about this conference and you're like, yeah, it was like me and my coworker in this room full of dudes. And they, mm -hmm. they were looking at us like, <laughs> like, why are these people here? Yeah. And it just kind of got me thinking about, um, like, how did I get involved in the outdoors? Like, mm. um, because I didn't, I didn't have like the same experience. I didn't grow up super outdoorsy. I grew up in a city. Um, my parents were confused beyond belief when I decided <laughs> to go to college in the UP and like all of a sudden became super outdoorsy. They're like, we figured she'd live in Chicago for the rest of her life kind of thing. Word, I cannot uh, imagine you living in Chicago. Right. Uh -huh. Like it was, com it would completely changed. And like, I think women gaining confidence in the outdoors is like a completely different conversation, but like women just even working in that kind of field, I feel like isn't normalized or is just very rare. Mm -hmm. And I would say like for conservation, it's stereotypically like a labor intensive position. Mm -hmm. So like as a naturalist, I'm more of like a teacher position within conservation. And there's, there's quite a few like women naturalists on the county conservation level. But when you get into like the natural resource technician, you get into the park rangers, you get into operations supervisors, and then you like step up to the directors of each county conservation. And those are going to be more stereotypically men. So like, for example, out of all 99 county conservations, there's maybe 10% that have a woman director. So like a woman who's, mm. you know, the head of all of the, you know, uh, different parts of that department. But I would say like in Iowa, it's, it's getting better in Iowa. I will mm -hmm. say that. Um, and I think it's just like getting into schools, getting people outside, getting people to see others like them outside as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and letting young, these, I would say, you know, these young kids know that like, this is a job opportunity. Yeah. Like you can go into this or, you know what I mean? Like, like you said, just educating on people that this is an option. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the, I had, um, I had a Wallert G term 
this winter and we went hiking at Bankston and someone told their teacher, like, I want to do that as a job. And it was, yeah, it was a female student. And the teacher came up to me and like said that to me. And I was like, that is awesome. And it's one thing for like a first grader to say, I want to be you when I grow up. And it's another thing for a high school student who's like planning for college to say, I want to be you when I grow up. Right. To have that kind of clarity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was an awesome feeling. Box here. Yep. (laughs) Right. And and it's like totally a rep, like kind of a representation sort of thing, because like, how do you know that that's a career option unless you see someone like you? Cause I I feel the same way about like coaching. I coach soccer, you coach track. And it's like, I never grew up having any women coaches like as an athlete. And so I never saw that as a career path just logically because it wasn't in my field of view. So Mm -hmm. like the same thing could be applied to the outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's too, there's parts of it where our society has kind of made women scared to be outdoors by themselves? I didn't think about that, but that, I think that is a good point. Um, yeah, especially like on a hiking trail that you're not familiar with, or if you're not from the area, I mean, I guess I've never personally had any of those situations where I like felt unsafe or felt uncomfortable in an area. Um, But yeah, that's definitely a big concern too. Mm -hmm. Like making sure that you have, that's just another hurdle of like, I have to make sure I, you know, send a text or a call someone when I get somewhere or when I leave somewhere Mm -hmm. where I have to have someone come with me. Like that's a huge hurdle. Oh, totally. I know. Cause I felt like I didn't become, I was, I was kind of the same as Adele. Like I did not think I did not identify myself as outdoorsy. It wasn't until I went to school here up at UD until I started hiking. Um, I would say until now I started doing way more recreating even with our kiddos. But, um, I would say that it would definitely, I, I kind of grew up a little bit more hesitant on just being like self-aware of like where I'm putting myself and all of that. Um, so I felt like when I was hiking, I, you know, I was definitely more like, oh, I'm going to take friends. I'm going to go in groups and stuff like that. But like you said, just being aware of like, Hey, I'm going to drop a pin of like where I'm at, you know, Mm -hmm. or I'm going to let someone know or, you know, all that good stuff. But I, I do feel like as women, like building that confidence with being outside and, um, yeah, kind of like walking through what that looks like. Yeah. Um, I think like one thing that's different from like when I grew up compared to like what I've seen so far since I've moved to Dubuque is like growing up, I didn't have many like female role models, especially in the outdoors. Like it was my dad who brought me into the outdoors. It was like, your brothers can do this. You're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. I want to hike eight miles. You're going to do it with me kind of thing. Which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was like no excuses. You're going to do everything. Um, but I think building confidence is just being okay with not not falling into societies. You have to go big or go home kind of model. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay to dabble in hobbies here and there. You don't have to be outdoorsy to be in the outdoors. Oh, totally. A hundred percent. That's like, that's one of the biggest getups that I hate. And they're like, when people like talk about me and they're like, oh, she's so outdoorsy. She's so this, she's so that. 
but like, I don't know. I love art, but I'm not an artsy person. Like I can still love art oh, yeah. just as just the same as someone next to me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like gaining confidence in the outdoors is finding someone who will do it with you, whether that's mm-hmm. a friend, um, someone in your family, even someone like you meet that you don't necessarily know yet and being okay with learning something new and not being good at something mm-hmm. like that's okay. Also, yeah. not, you don't have to have all the right gear. No, no, you do not. No. Like literally you can hike in tennis shoes. <laughs> like literally just <laughs> go be go outside. Like that's step one. Yeah. You can hike on a, you can also hiking. Everyone thinks that hiking is like, oh, you're hiking up a mountain. No, you can hike on a sidewalk path. You it's can, literally walking. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is walking anywhere. Walking outside. Yeah. Walking <laughs> outside equals hiking basically. So yeah. Totally. I, cause I remember I was like, Oh, I don't have the snowshoes or I can't get out in the snow because, or I don't have cross country skis yet, or I can't do this. And I remember when we moved to Montana, everyone was like, just throw some yak tracks on and go. Yak tracks are like, what? Yeah, like, like the 20 bucks. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what are these? <laughs> so it was just like, and just keeping like my eyes peeled for like secondhand stuff yeah. or um, if people were getting rid of things or whatnot. But I remember I kind of felt like a fraud moving out there. I'm like, Oh, I don't have all the like nice skis or like, I don't have all the nice stuff or this or that. And like my husband and I were like, we just have to go like, yeah, just do it boots and go. And we, and we did. And like, we definitely built our confidence being outdoors, but it was at first I was like, I felt like I was like, Oh, I don't belong here because I'm quote unquote, like not outdoorsy, which mm-hmm. I can only imagine too, when you moved up to the UP, cause like everyone out there like lives outside. <laughs> right. Like, like off the grid or whatever. Like I'd never been camping before. And like, fortunately I just found people who are like, well, neither have we, like we're from Detroit. Let's just like, <laughs> let's just like let's go together. Let's go borrow a tent from like the college rec center and like try our best, you know? And if I, we have to drive home, we have to drive home. Exactly. I think it, it was just like taking about like taking those leaps of faith to like be okay at sucking at yeah. something oh, yeah. like because you're not going to be good at it for a long time mm-hmm. yeah. and that's okay it's like the it's okay to have type two fun sometimes like type three fun yeah exactly and to like building up to those like longer quote-unquote hikes or you know what I mean like finding trails here which I have I feel like with you nights we are kind of like branching out like I feel like people are like oh we want to go further we want to go you know we yeah, want to do harder elsewhere. or we want to go elsewhere so like I feel like people are itching to kind of recreate a little bit more and I mean the last event we had was 50 women were snowshoeing yeah which was really cool that was awesome and a lot of like beginners yeah so many beginners mm-hmm. and I think like that's another thing in terms of like being a beginner in the outdoors is like the the safety and numbers sort of thing because mm-hmm. like I remember when I first decided I was going to start kayaking like when I moved here because like I grew up in Minnesota in the only county without a natural lake so like I did not grow up near water I had very little water skills and my mom was terrified she thought I was going to go <laughs> over Rachel. Like, I don't poor done. Rachel God bless her but like she thought I was going overboard she was like <laughs> Anytime you go out, you have to text me like immediately when you get in the water and immediately when you get out. And like, there's like a heightened fear if you don't grow up around like some of these quote, more risky outdoor activities. And so there's safety in numbers in like doing something like that together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That kind of made me think of when I first started mountain biking. So mountain biking was like, oh my gosh, that's too hardcore for me. And I'm a hardcore person. (laughs) And then I got a used mountain bike on Facebook marketplace. That was like a Walmart brand. And I was like, I'm not going to spend, you know, hundreds of dollars on something I don't 
enjoy or don't know if I enjoy. So I spent like a hundred dollars on a bike, got on a Facebook group of just like women mountain bikers in the area and went on a bike ride with them. And I was like, I'm embarrassed. I don't have my seat in the right place. I don't have my tires pumped up to a certain thing. I went over the jump park and I popped my front tire like within (laughs) five minutes and everyone was so helpful and kind and just like encouraging and just like being with other people who have been there before Mm -hmm. and can say like, like I was in the same place and here I am now. And it's not that hard. You just got to be able to do it again and again. That's cool. And just like knowing that, like, I know people think Facebook is old, but the groups that you can find on Facebook are phenomenal. There's so many. Yeah. That, and it's like how events get out there still. Yeah. That's true. Like I'm part of a hiking group in Eastern Iowa, specifically a hiking group mm-hmm. for women, like a mountain biking group for women. So there's mm-hmm. lots of stuff out there. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, the power in numbers, that's huge. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you talk about like more of the, the, the quote, hardcore mm-hmm. outdoor activities, like, especially to have a group of women that you can do and like, it, it feels okay to be an idiot. Like you're not going to make a fool out of yourself with all of yeah. these guys who have like the thickest skin and like, are just like crushing it. Um, like I think rock climbing is one of those sports mm-hmm. for sure. And like, there's not a ton of rock climbing around here that happens, no. but I, I mean, I wish, but no, no, um, no, we can only hope we can, we can only hope and pray. <laughs> Gotta go over to Monticello pictured rocks. Oh yes, That's definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But like, I feel like those are the kinds of sports where it's like, like, okay, like this is really a situation where I want to be with a group of women to try this out. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally. Can we go back to a little bit when you started with conservation and like with your path to the job that you have now, when you kind of stepped into that, like, were you the youngest or like, what was like the age demographic? I mean, obviously you were minority as a, being a female, but like, were, yeah, was it, are you, were you the youngest? So when I did my internship at the Iowa Natural Heritage Foundation, it was all college students. So it was all college students around me. Our, you know, our boss was like 30 something and then above him was like 40. So it was a pretty young crew. Um, But like for, I would say for most county conservations um, across the state, it's, I don't know, probably 50 year old, 60 maybe is pushing it. Mm -hmm. Um, But Right now I am the youngest, I think on our staff. Don't quote me on that. Um, but for the most part, I would say it's like 30, 40, 50 year old people. Yeah. Was that staff. kind of intimidating to step into for like job wise or were you like, whoa? Um, I don't think it was necessarily age. It was more like experiences. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many experiences that I just don't have because I didn't work for a county conservation beforehand. Mm -hmm. And there are so many people who are like, I worked at this county conservation. I worked at that county conservation. I did this seasonally. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I've been in Clayton County and Dubuque County my whole life. So uh, I don't have those experiences, Mm -hmm. but that's cool. So when you applied for the job, what was that statistic that I sent you that like, if women don't qualify for like 60% of the job, oh, they, then they won't apply for it. Yeah. yeah. But like versus men that if they qualify for it's something like 15% of the qualifications, they're like, oh yeah, all in. All, all in. Yeah. So like, when you, I mean, when you went to apply for the job or like when you went, were you like, am I even like, did you kind of be like, am I even qualified for this? Like, you know, so I would say something different that I have compared to like quite a few naturalists. I feel like naturalists usually come from a background of majoring in like natural resources or majoring in conservation or animal interpretation or something mm-hmm. conservation related. And I think like 
becoming a teacher first gave me that step up of like, I know how to educate people. I know how to connect with people. Mm. Um, and then like, I have this passion for the outdoors and conservation and biology, you know, degree to add on to that. So I think just having a degree in education and biology kind of set me apart from others. Mm. Um, but otherwise, like I would say most of the positions we have and especially like in any county conservation, I can't say, you know, the same for state and federal, but on the county level, like if you are invested in your community and you know the landscape around you, like you will be successful mm-hmm. and you can learn all of those things in your area. Totally. That makes sense. That's cool. So like growing up in Clayton County, like was able to, you know, bring all this driftless information that I have down to Dubuque County because it's pretty similar topographical landscape Mm -hmm. and just like building on that year after year after year. Gotcha. When you first started, did you have, like, what would you say was your like biggest hurdle? Time management. Like I want to see everyone and go everywhere and I just can't. Yeah. Like I want to see 20,000 people a year and I I just cram my schedule full of that. And then I work weekends and nights and days and it gets long and I still like coach on the side and want a life on the side. So that one was really difficult. I feel like I'm constantly texting Adele telling her, I wish I had like three to five extra hours a day. Yeah. I'm like, but I need sleep. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I need sleep, but I need like three to five extra hours. (laughs) (laughs) Just whatever you need to prioritize, you know? know. I'm really bad at that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it's always going to be sleep, but, <laughs> but that's me being like childless. So, <laughs> and I think another thing that I struggle with is like, not everyone loves the outdoors mm. and I can't force people to like the outdoors. Like there are some kids that say, I hate this. And you have to, like, I have to be okay with not having everyone love the outdoors. And that's really tough. Mm-hmm. Like having one kid say that just kind of like ruins your whole day, but you still have to be there for the other 80 kids on that field trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would yeah. be hard. Especially like that's my whole life. Like outdoors is my whole life. And yeah. for someone to say, I hate the outdoors, it's tough. You're like, just give it a couple years. Yeah. Just try it out again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you think that it's truly that they don't like the outdoors that it's not the space for them or they haven't found like their niche within the outdoors yet. I would say that part of it is like, they don't know what they like about the outdoors. And part of it is them not feeling comfortable in the outdoors. Like some students just don't have outdoor experiences and it's scary. It's unfamiliar that you're not enjoying themselves, which is very valid. Like I won't take that away from any kid. Um, But I think part of it is just like, I don't like being outside when it's so hot and it's sunny and I didn't eat enough for breakfast this morning. Like Mm -hmm. I get that aspect of it too. But when it still comes out as those words, like it's still tough. Yeah. And being in the Midwest, it's not like our, you know, we have some harsh winters, cold days, and then we have some really hot summer days. So you're like, if you get a get on a hot summer day, oh yeah, you know, you're not around. I'm like, I don't (laughs) love the outdoors today either. (laughs) Or like when the mosquitoes are really bad, you're like, this isn't my favorite part either. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So would you say like, if you had someone wanting to like step into what you have done, what would you say? Like if they wanted to kind of do the job that you're doing right now, like what does that look like? And you know, did you get your master's, um, 
what did that look like for your undergrad or, you know, how did you, if you had someone, you know, tell someone to give a few like steps to like where you're at right now. Mm -hmm. So we work with, um, some AmeriCorps members. So I'm able to like look at their resumes and like on the employer side of things, I can be like, I don't like this part of it. I really like this. Like these people are going to stand out more. Um, I would say like the, like one thing, like education is always big. Like Mm -hmm. if you have a degree in conservation or a degree in biology or a degree in environmental science, like you're going to be put above, you know, someone with a degree in business or whatever else it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that we don't disregard those, but that's one step. And then I think the next biggest thing is experiences. Like if you are able to do an internship with the DNR, an internship like here, an internship there, just varying experiences, that says a lot about you. Mm -hmm. So you could be someone who has, you know, a four-year degree in biology, but you have all of these part-time jobs at Starbucks or like wherever it is, it's Mm -hmm. very conservation, like not conservation related at all. And then you compare it to someone who's like, I've, you know, did an internship here. I worked part-time here all you know, the entire summer outside, or I was able to do this for my thesis, just like being involved and also like volunteering in your community. Volunteering is a big thing. Like Mm -hmm. you get really good at communicating with people when you volunteer too. Mm -hmm. like being a good communicator, I guess maybe that's more of a personal thing rather than conservation related. Mm -hmm. But I would say the big thing is internships and just different ones. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like proving that you have the passion for the actual work. Yeah. And everyone says like, oh, this is what makes me stand apart from everyone else is that that I'm passionate. Everyone's passionate. Yeah. But you have to like show that you are passionate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your actions will say more. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. You did a lot of volunteering, Adele, like growing up. I did not. I was like athletically driven in that sense. Like I just played a lot of sports and I felt like I did not get involved in the community the way that I wish I, it was, it wasn't, um, like we didn't, I feel like more of the high schoolers now have, um, like service hours they have to get Mm -hmm. and we didn't have that. Um, not that I can remember. Yeah. And I didn't necessarily like do much for like volunteering when I was in high school, but in college I did just a little bit of it. And then during COVID, that's when I like actually started volunteering and just like made a ton of connections, had a blast with it. Mm. That's cool. I feel like most people during COVID did not do anything. And Taylor's over here. She's like, like, I, was, I, I gotta start, be, that's when I started volunteering. I gotta be outside. <laughs> what are you talking about? We started a nonprofit during that's COVID. <laughs> that, that is, that is volunteering right that's there. True. We yeah. made no money from it. Yeah. <laughs> No money. <laughs> that is true. I forgot about that. Tiny, tiny details. Minor detail. Yeah. Just a massive part of our lives. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have, um, and I know we talked about like a little bit more about education, but like, do you have a favorite part um, of your job that like you, yeah, do you just have a favorite part? Um, I think on like the teaching side, seeing that light bulb moment of like, oh, this makes sense to me now Mm -hmm. or like, oh, this is a new thing that I want to do. I think on 
like just a human interaction side is when I see someone at a program and then I see them again and again Mm -hmm. and again, and they keep coming back. We've had kids that we see at a school program and then they drag their grandparents or like their parents into the nature center. I love it. And they're like, Oh my, you know, my kid dragged me here because it was so cool at school. And the kid's just like, let me give you a tour of the nature center or the trails. Um, I really like when I, I feel like I made a difference in someone's life, even if it's it's itty bitty, even if it's like one day of, hey, I had a really great time outside. I love those parts of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably the difference in a position like yours where like you you talk like this and it's like, oh, I can tell why you were drawn to teaching like like educationally in the beginning, because like you're very much so about that personal impact piece of it rather than the science first kind of brain, Mm -hmm. um, which I think probably will serve you better, like longevity wise, because like you're constantly going to be around new people and like making those connections and seeing like the lifetime of growth in the outdoors for certain people has got to be pretty impactful. Yeah. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's fun. So do you see, I mean, I know obviously we're a female organization, but do you see a lot of like women our age come through like kind of curious or, I mean, obviously you're teaching more at like a younger age. Mm -hmm. I would say a big part of our like group that we see are actually like 30 to 40 year old moms and their kids. Oh, cool. So we have a huge homeschool following, which is for the most part, moms and their kids. There are some dads that come in too, which is awesome. And some grandparents as well. Um, but yeah, for the most part, women are becoming an outdoor woman workshop that we're having this weekend actually has 60 people signed up. Like it is completely full and it almost fills up every single year because it's just these women who share their experience over and over and over again, which is awesome. That's cool. I know the homeschool community around here is really, uh, they do a really good job. Yeah. Um, It's getting really big. (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. And then you spoke a little bit about like, are, so are you guys in the schools? Like, do you pull people or pull kids from the public school? So we work with public schools, private schools. We work with everyone. Oh, okay. So, that. okay. Sorry. Like we are going into first grade classrooms oh, with yes. the planetarium, but like third grade, they will come out to proving grounds. Okay. And that's just like with the Dubuque Community School District, but we also work with like Western Dubuque, uh, Galena comes over, Hazel Green comes over, uh, other counties, um, Holy Family, you know, just everyone in Dubuque County too. Um, so we're going to wrap it up with just some really fun, quick questions that we like to end every uh, podcast with. So we'll start off with uh, a woman that inspires you. Um, I would say my older sister, Cheryl, she, again, like I had said, works for the U.S. Forest Service, but she is someone who is very outdoorsy, is very um, just inspiring, is very, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, is very motivating and will do anything and everything to see anyone be successful. Awesome sisters are pretty wonderful sometimes, sometimes, you know, um, what kind of content are you currently consuming? So that can be books, TV, music, kind of anything. Um, I don't really watch TV. Um, I really like books about the outdoors and just the environment. 
but I like to listen to very outdoorsy podcasts like Ologies, the Meat Eater podcast, that kind of stuff. Nice. Um, but yeah, I don't really do much. I just spend a lot of time outdoors and I coach <laughs> track. So that takes a lot of my time up as well. I feel that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and we'll just wrap up with how do you, how do you define community? I think finding people that want to encourage you and want the best for you and are there for you as well. Simple. Awesome. To the point. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Thank you for listening to, and we go on, check out our show notes for links and additional education. We would love to hear from you. So please leave us a review. Be the first to sponsor. And we go on a she unites podcast, get your name out in the community in person and online. For more info, email sheunitesiowa at gmail.com. She Unites is a 501c3 nonprofit organization registered in the state of Iowa. We are proud to be a 100% donation-supported organization. Our spaces, speakers, and programming are all gifted by those who support our vision because we are better together. If you feel compelled to join us in the She Unites mission, please donate at sheunitesiowa.com. Follow us on Instagram at sheunitesiowa for the latest and greatest from our organization.